Hi, you are listening to episode 47 of Desi Geek Girls. I'm Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Thursday, July 30th, 2020. Who we did it. July episode. We did it. We are barely <laughs> under the wire. We've, like, one of our goals was to record every calendar month this year, and like we were going back and forth whether we'd be able to get July's in, but we did it. We did it. All right, and that's the show. <laughs> the Anyone end. Help? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Totally kidding. <laughs> you know, it's funny because usually we would be doing, I think, a big like San Diego Comic Con news roundup this year, yeah. but obviously there's no entertainment whatsoever. <laughs> so there was uh, like just a t- there was there wasn't that much like big news news news. It mm-hmm. feels like um, everything's just been postponed. So like the big news is when is the stuff that we've all been waiting already waiting on that was announced last year going to come out? I know. Oh. It's so sad. But we were both on some San Diego Comic Con panels this year, uh, which yeah. was an interesting experience in mm-hmm. that they were recorded like weeks ahead of time. Yeah. So I kept talking about it in the past tense, and people were like, I can't believe I missed this. I'm like, no, 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 no. It hasn't aired yet. <laughs> I recorded it like three weeks ago. Like, it's, it, don't worry. It's, it's going to be during San Diego Comic Con. It will go live. Yeah. I like actually. During, so I did two. I did one that was the Lucasfilm publishing panel, which was with like, (laughs) it was with like 14 other like Star Wars authors or something. It was very cool because it was like Timothy Zahn, Greg Puck, Justina Ireland. And you can't necessarily get that many people together on a stage. Like that's too many people, but it really worked as like a virtual call. That's one of the few instances I think where virtual actually might have been slightly better than in person. Yeah, because you get so much more out of the panel, it feels like. Like it had to be really structured. It had to be really like we're we're literally going to spend time on every project. Um, but it, there was, it was so long between when we recorded it and when we posted it that I was like, I do not remember anything I said. Yeah. I was like looking at the write-ups like, oh, right. Yeah, that is that is what my book's about. Cool. <laughs> what was your second one? Oh, and the second one was um, with Scholastic for yeah. – uh, with uh, Nick Stone and Nikki Drayden. Nick Stone who wrote the Shuri book for Scholastic and Nikki Drayden who wrote um, a tie-in to, shoot, a video game that I don't play – and so now <laughs> I can't remember the name of. Well, um, she also does excellent sci-fi, like adult sci-fi. So um. yeah, she is super smart and super talented. And I am straight up looking the name of the book up right now because I was like, I know I like was excited about it. Just don't know a ton about the world. Um, but it was the three of us talking about getting to write superheroes, basically, because mm-hmm. I have the Avengers Assembly book coming out um next week which like what even is time oh overwatch it's tied into overwatch overwatch okay okay i was like i it's like a huge video game i just don't play it so i was like ah what is it called um yeah nikki wrote a book that ties in to the overwatch universe but is a completely unique and new story Mm -hmm. um but it was really cool it was like you know this panel that's three women of color getting to talk about what it means to write characters of color into mm-hmm. these like massive and successful uh series mm-hmm. that's really cool and you were on a san diego i was panel. on a panel too my first sdcc panel which like a couple people messaged me it's like how is that possible i'm like i've never been to sdcc so like 
I've been asked to be on panels before, but it always is contingent on me getting myself out there. And that's just, it's just, it's just not something that I've ever been interested in doing as, you know, like a freelancer. Um, but so yeah, I was on a Star Trek, all the Starfleet ladies, um, it was a Star Trek panel. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was, um, Una McCormick, uh, who's just kind of like a legend in like it was a publishing panel, so it was like the writers. So Una McCormick, um, Cassandra Rose Clark, who has a new um, sort of unannounced novel. Like she talked about specifics on the panel, but I think it's officially as yet unannounced. Um, Kendra James, who's the uh, managing editor of StarChart.com, and just fantastic at her job basically um she's just really really good um she moderated and then lauren lj lauren jackson who's the publicist for uh uh, star trek books um was also on it and it was a great panel it was so much fun i actually like i don't think i've ever i've been on a few nycc panels but i don't think i've ever gotten as much feedback um on like about being on a panel as i have with this one and I think part of that is just because it was more accessible because it's virtual so a lot more people saw it than you know the 200 people or whatever that would have been in the room at SDCC um but yeah actually today I taught one of them was like what's a like classic or Star Trek novel that like made you fall in love and I talked about the book Sarek by AC Crispin which is like one of my like favorite books of all time and someone messaged me is messaged with a picture today of the cover and said they were picking it up for the first time. Aww. And I'm like, oh my god! Like it's just Israel. Like it's it's you know that type of thing is it's so, so nice. nice. So yeah, it was super exciting. And I always love talking about Star Trek. And speaking of Star Trek, there's actually <laughs> a decent amount of SDCC news um, about Star Trek. So let's start with okay. So there's a new series called Lower Decks that premieres August 6th. So that's next Thursday on CBS All Access in the US. Uh, something in Canada, a space channel maybe on in Canada. Um, I don't or No, it was Amazon Prime in Canada, I think. And then Netflix worldwide, but the worldwide release date hasn't yet been announced, I think is the situation. But anyway, that premieres next week. It's a 30 minute workplace comedy. Um, I'm not really allowed to talk about it. I have seen some of the episodes. I can't really give a review yet because we're under embargo, but I can say um, it's funny. It's uh, like, I, I don't, I can't really give a review, but a uh, tune in. It's, it's something that we haven't seen in the Star Trek universe yet. And I'm really excited about that. Um, it, I watched the trailer and like, yeah. as we know, I am a like, partial star trek fan and that like yeah. i don't know a ton but this looks so funny and like irreverent and just like this kind of that classic sort of kind of adult swimmy sort of like yes, an- animated exactly series like a, like a family guy like a 30 minute sort of adult cartoon like yeah. this is a cartoon it's not like it's not like um inappropriate or like anything like that but i would watch the first episode before you chose to show it to your younger kids just because it's not a kid's cartoon it is a cartoon but it's not a kid's cartoon yeah it's very clearly family guy simpsons like that that type of humor and that level um so i'm really excited about this show i'll be covering it also for vulture um so i'll be recapping it every week at vulture so i'm really excited um about that as well so check those recaps out so as more news we got from sdcc is the new star trek show is 
and the new there's like five new Star Trek shows. Okay, <laughs> that's not descriptive enough. So there's a sort of we're thinking it's a YA show. It might be aimed slightly younger. That's going to be on Nickelodeon. It's premiering in 2021, and the official title is Prodigy. Um, we don't know a lot about it yet, honestly. Uh, I'm excited about it because I do think Star Trek really needs a kids show. Um, I think there's a lot of room for that, and I think Star Trek could really benefit. Um, and I think it is starting to follow kind of Star Wars content model where there's some kids shows, there's some adult shows, there's some all ages shows, you know, adult books, kids books. Why is like there Star Trek is for everyone, yeah. but not every show needs to service the entire audience. So I think doing that is very smart. So anyway, Prodigy is preparing in 2021. Um, that's very exciting. And then Discovery, we finally got a season three release date for that. So it is premiering in October, right after Lower Decks wraps its run. So basically, there's new Star Trek every week through the end of the year, which is super exciting in these times. <laughs> so, yes. I need to get I've I've still only seen the first three or four episodes of Discovery, I think. I really need to get on watching it because I did like those three episodes or yeah, whatever I did and it watch. Changes so much between the first half of the first season and the second half of the first season and then again between the first season and the second season like the show it took a while to find its stride I always thought it was good but it took a while to become great I think Mm -hmm. um and that was just a product of a lot of fingers in the Star Trek pot like it's the first Star Trek show in you know how long and there was a lot of visions a lot of conflicting visions of what it should be and thoughts and so like anyway there was a lot going on but it really has found its stride and um, I'll let you know if you haven't gotten to it by the time the third season airs. I'm honestly wondering if you can just start the third season fresh. Okay. Or even you might even be able to start the second season fresh because the they very much wrap. Uh, there's a few things you need to know from the first season. I recommend watching it all because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I but do. I do want to. There's so much good character stuff you'd miss out on. Which I, I hate that. It's more, it's it's less that I don't want to and more that I, I wasted my time when I had my free CBS All Access. Yes. <laughs> and I didn't do it when I should have and that's my fault. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm really excited about season three. It looks like something new and um, Sonequa Martin-Green's hair is like on point. I can't wait. Like I know that's like a funny thing, but she's got these amazing braids like like waist length braids, which is like very different than the like short kind of mm-hmm. crop look she had for the first couple of seasons. And um, I'm really excited about, I just, I'm excited about the whole thing, but her hair looks really good. I gotta, yeah, I gotta figure out how to watch it. I'll like decide if I need to like cancel something else and whatever. I'll figure it out. But I'm excited about potentially finishing it and being ready for the third season <laughs> to start. Um, there was, you know, another trailer and, and some other news that dropped yesterday on Deadline is uh, Sujatha Day, who our listeners may recognize from HBO's Insecure. Uh, she had a trailer drop for a movie that she wrote, directed, and produced called Definition Please. And it's also starring, I mean, it's starring like a ton of South Asian people, um, like Barvish Gina, Sonal Shah, Ritesh Rajan, like among so many. And then also people we know and love like Jake Choi and LeVar Burton. Yeah! <laughs> I like this like excited sound you have going. I know, this, it's this like a high-pitched squeal. Like, <laughs> I don't know, it's new, it's fine. Uh, the trailer was, I think, unlike anything I've seen in terms of depicting a South Asian American family. 
in, yeah. in it's it's like a family drama and it, it's about this woman played by Sujatha who has gotten this job offer and is trying to decide whether or not she should move away from home her mom is sick her brother has some mental health issues that the family is struggling with and it just looks really good mm-hmm Mental health in South Asian communities is sometimes something we don't talk about enough, and it's still very taboo within mm-hmm. the communities. And so I really – I'm looking forward to something that kind of – just from the trailer, it looks like it's tackling the issue head on, and I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, it feels very brave, and we'll, we'll definitely link to the trailer in the show notes. Like, check it out. I think it's going to be really, really good, and I am super psyched to see work from a South Asian American woman like – making something that looks so incredible and getting acknowledged for it like this dropped on deadline which Mm -hmm. is awesome yes yep yeah like there's you know like we Preeti and I always say this is not a Highlander like too often it's treated like a Highlander Mm -hmm. situation like there can be only one South Asian woman and like it's really nice that that myth is kind of finally dispelling and um other people are getting major attention. Yeah, it's um, really nice. And speaking of South Asian in entertainment, um, Vinny, who has no relation to anyone on this podcast, <laughs> Vinny Tibber, who's Preeti's brother, um, he is an actor. And we've talked about his stuff on the show before. But anyways, he's starting a new program. Yeah, so he... Um... Nick, Did- Nick Didani, who is on shows like Insecure, uh, he's he's a little bit of a Netflix staple, so you might recognize him. And Bashner Ayanan have started this group called the Salon, and one of and they just launched a program, which is a mentorship program for South Asian Americans looking to get into almost any facet of the uh, entertainment industry, from like producing to writing to acting to like all of these different areas um, where we need more representation and if you are South Asian American and you are interested in being in the entertainment industry in some fashion uh, highly recommend checking it out and applying to be uh, a mentee you can go to the salon.xyz slash mentorship and there's an application there and we'll put the uh, link in the show notes as well. Okay, so today um, we don't really honestly, like, we don't have, like, there's no entertainment news. Nothing's happening. So we decided instead to take, um, we don't, Preeti, as you all might have noticed, is not very good at self-promotion <laughs> at all. Um, so we wanted to take this time to kind of, since we, I guess we have, we're like, we have a podcast, maybe we should use it, um, to talk about Preeti's new upcoming book, um, and also just kind of talk about, I want to know, I want to hear, I'm going to ask her some questions on kind of the author life, how, how to kind of balance and how to, how do you write characters that you've, you know read for so long how do you get in that mentality so um tell us a little bit about your book so the book is called marvel's avengers assembly and the first it's a it's a new there's going to be a book two so book one is called orientation and you are writing book two and i am writing book two um have written book two so it's off i don't ideally have to do anything else with it um but it's Basically, in the first book, we're with uh, Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel, as she is learning how to balance being a kid, being a superhero, 
asking for help, doing it on your own, etc. Um, and she gets invited to be a part of this school, this like kind of after school superhero kid program where she meets Miles Morales as Spider-Man and Dorian Green as Squirrel Girl and kind of the hijinks and the adventures they get into in that school. Um, so this is a um, mix between prose and comics. Yeah, so it's illustrated by James Lancet, uh, who's an illustrator overseas. He's in England, I believe. And they're, like, super cute, like, very, very kid-friendly. Think very, like, um, Jedi Academy or uh, a little bit more um, substantial than Diary of a Wimpy Kid in terms of, like, how detailed the drawings are. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, combo. It's 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 very, like... Some pages are a journal page from Kamala. Some are comic strips. Some are, you know, um, text messages or, like, video chats, which was really interesting to have to figure out how to do on the page. I was going to um, – okay, so it's a middle – it's basically middle school age, aimed at middle school age or um, yeah, yeah, upper yeah. elementary school? It would be, like, 8 to 12. Okay. And so what was that like, the difference between – you're a prose writer, mm-hmm. but you've read comics for your most – a long time – what was that like, um, trying to balance those two? And how did you decide, like, what you were going to, like, how did you decide? What are you going to write as comics? What are you going to write as pro? Like, how do you make those decisions? It was actually a lot of, like, coming up with ideas of what could be in this book, like, how we could tell the story, whether it was visual or textual, and coming up with a list of what the potential opportunities were. So, like, could I do it through a video chat? Could I do it through IMing? Could I do it through like, the, I think there's a part of the book that's like written like it's a script from a movie, like a documentary. So it was like trying to think of all these different ways to tell the story, but still s- stay within one narrative because what the goal is there is to keep kids engaged and to kind of like support visual and textual learning together. Mm-hmm. What was it? So Kamala, we I think you and I both talked about at length how much this character means to us, Kamala Khan. What was it like getting in her head? Uh, it was interesting. It's funny because um, I got asked the question the other day of would you want to write another Kamala Khan book? And and what I love so much about the character of Kamala Khan because she exists within the comics sphere is that she is there for the taking for so many new and exciting writers to take yeah. on because she represents you know there are still so few <laughs> south asian superheroes we have mm-hmm. you know very very few of them especially south asian american especially mm-hmm. south asian american first generation born um because you know kamala khan is pakistani american and from jersey city and muslim and and you know i think that the potential there what's exciting is that I could engage with the parts of her that I really really love um which is being that like first generation born of being that coming of age and and her relationship to her religion which I find G Willow Wilson did such and San Amanat did such a wonderful job of integrating into her story all of those things are so identifiable to me that it mm-hmm. was kind of awesome to be able to get into the head of a character where I didn't have to second guess my experience versus her experience. And then you've got the Clone Wars anthology coming out in uh, the end of August. And then you wrote Anakin for that, right? Yes. (laughs) And so, okay, so how is that? How, like, these are two characters you've lived with, like, probably they've been in your head a different, you know, like, these are just like characters we've lived with and loved for so long. 
what how is writing Ms. Marvel versus Anakin <laughs> different? Like in terms of I I know that they're really different characters, but I mean in terms of just getting into the heads heads of these people. Well, so what's what's you? I think what the difference between someone like Kamala Khan is, which you know we've discussed before and and kind of alluded to in the last answer, is that writers will take on different characteristics and and in the same way that spider-man something i had to learn when writing spider-man was that peter parker is different based on who's writing him and what uh, medium he's being presented in like mcu peter very very different from comics peter very very different from video game peter very different from animated peter and remembering that there's not one like version. Bendis Peter versus like Zdar- Chip Zarsky's Peter. Exactly. Drastically different characters all under the, the same, you know, mantle um, and the same name. Whereas, uh, so Kamala is in that boat of like yeah. very dependent on who's writing her, like certain truths, but in terms of her story and what gets, uh, what is the most identifiable parts of her, it's very dependent on who is writing her. Anakin is <laughs> Anakin. <laughs> Anakin, like it's not yeah. like Anakin changes uh, story or or reaction. There's a there's a, very, there's a very specific notion of who Anakin Skywalker is uh, in the kind of Lucasfilm like Bible. I don't know if there's a Lucasfilm Bible, but if if there was, there would be a a, a definition of who Anakin. Yes, it's is. called Dave Filoni. Yes, <laughs> it's called Dave Filoni's brain. Uh, yes, but there is a very like clear definition of who Anakin is and. Every story you tell adds to that and is pulled back into what is the canon of who that is. Like, it's not like the wiki for a Peter Parker or Kamala Khan where it's like, in this issue, this happened. But in this issue, she reacted like this. And in this issue, with all the, like, links back to various writers and various whatever, Anakin, it's like they will find a way to make sure that whatever is written will fit into the existing story yeah. in a seamless and, and necessary way. And so writing Anakin, because I wrote... It's, it's retellings of episodes of the Clone Wars. So I had the script and I had the like structure of the episode, but I did it entirely in Anakin's head. And so finding motivation for him was really interesting and, and creating that motivation for him was really fun and interesting. Did you get to pick your own episode or did they I, assign you one? I did. I basically, okay. <laughs> the minute they were at, like the minute it came up and I was approached about doing it, I was like, I want to write Anakin. Yeah. The first... First, I, I I don't think I can say what I asked to do first, but I did get told probably not. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so I went back and I was like, okay, what is the most, what is one of my favorite parts of Anakin's story? And it's the romance with Padme. And it's yeah. the like tragedy and the sadness um, of, his, of his story because I love that because of the nature in which Star Wars was released, there is a unique notion to having this like not hero be the focus of an entire trilogy that you know will have an unhappy ending like there's literally Uh no way you're gonna sit through nine and a half hours of these movies and get a happy ending so and the clone wars elevates that by giving us like these small moments and these very humanizing moments into anakin that the movie sometimes didn't have the time to do And so I love that idea of having this character have like bright moments and anxiety moments and everything leading up to a point that you know is bad. And so t- it, it it puts everything in shadow and it's just a really like fun place to play in. So what is that? You are generally, I would just, if somebody asked, 
me to describe you, and I think I know you pretty well. Um, I would say you are an optimistic person. You're an enthusiastic person. You love what you love. You're happy. Even in like the most terrible moments, I know I could come to you and like be like, oh, I'm in a terrible mood. You're like, here, look at this Tumblr post. I laughed at this for 15 minutes. Like That is who you are. Okay. So what was it like then to get in this head of this tragic, like, how did you reconcile the fact that you are writing a tragic character? Well, what's so great about it is that even in the tragedy, there's hope. That's what's so wonderful about oh, Star Wars. Crazy, and... you're going to make me cry. <laughs> like, even when it's the saddest story in the world, like, there is hope there, and there will always be hope there. And so it's finding the balance of recognizing the absolute, like, darkness and sadness that is coming for Anakin with the moments of like purity and hope and happiness that he absolutely has um prior to his fall and so it's that it's 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 what (laughs) so silly sounding and like so trite but it really is like the beauty of hope within that tragedy yeah it's not but it's not especially right now I feel like I feel like we all need a little bit of that um (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> what was it what was it you so you've worked you've worked on mcu you've worked within the i mean i guess sort of within the comics universe but the the stuff stands alone mm-hmm. the avengers stuff kind of stands alone um and then now within star wars how what is it like working with these big company like what's it like writing these characters that have so much like what's the process like like can you can you just sit down and like write something and then people are like nope can't do that like it's sort of it's it's very much it's a very like uh involved process with marvel was a very very involved process where it was like you know you come up with an idea you send it out it gets looked at by 10 different people um and they all have to sign off on it then you write up like a detailed outline and they again like you know 10 different people We'll make notes, including, which was so, like, amazing, including, you know, Sana Amana, who is one of the creators of Kamala Khan. Yeah. Like, you're sending your work to somebody who knows this person intimately, and it's just like, um, But also it feels really good when they're like, this works. You're like, oh, thank yeah. God. Um, but it's, and even with, like, the Star Wars stuff, again, like, you write it, there was a, there was a point that had not been defined in Anakin's story. It's very minor, but it was a point that had not been defined by any other media. So, like, it, there was a moment where I could say, hey, this doesn't seem to have an answer. I've researched. I've looked. Can I answer this? And they were like, yes, you can decide this thing. So, like... Wow. Yeah, it's wild. It's so small, but it's still, like... Still, but, it's you're contributing to the history of this character that yes. you've lived with your entire, like, our entire lives we've lived with Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Like, not maybe not in the Clone Wars iteration, but, like, just him as a character. It's bananas. It is this, like... And you're contributing to that canon. Yeah. Like, that's wild where you're in this position where you're like, okay. But you do have to, like, really do the work where I, like, went through and I watched a bunch of episodes and I read a bunch of lore and I was like I don't see an answer to this question and if there isn't one and then it goes back to the like Lucasfilm story group and they have to approve it but once it's in it's in and that's really really cool mm-hmm. okay and then we uh this is like it's a little later I think it comes out in October a Jedi you will be yeah right? okay but let's talk a little bit 
what's the story process like how you okay you wrote middle grade okay so <laughs> the mcu book the um peter the journal was uh middle grade yes. sort of a middle grade and then um and for people who aren't publishing people middle grade is basically middle school it's sort of it's like kind of fifth to eighth grade I would um, say. And then um, Avengers Academy books are middle grade. Um, the Clone Wars stories adult. It's, I think it's more uh, kind YA. of like YA. Okay. Yeah. And then, then A Jedi You Will Be is a picture book aimed at, you know, mm-hmm. five years old-ish. Yes. Okay. So that is a huge range. Yes. How do you balance, like. Well, what's wild because also the anthology that you're editing that's, yeah, that's that, why. Yeah, that's. A, I, I mean, I guess we can. Like, adult, right. it's not coming out for a year, but right now it's scheduled to come out in July twenty twenty one. But that's adult, um, right? Like that. It's an adult anthology. You wrote a YA story. I wrote. Of. A, I wrote. I wrote a coming of age story that yes. is within an adult anthology, but, but it yes, is it's an adult anthology and significantly um, older. Like, it, if we were still using the phrase, I would call it new adult. Yes, I, I think that's absolutely accurate. But it's an adult anthology coming out from an adult publisher. And then how do you, like, how do you even, I know it's project by project, but how do you even, like, balance those different voices? Because it's very different voices based on what age you're writing for. Yeah, it was wild. Like, last year, I think I wrote an a, like, every age range that yeah. exists, which is bananas because I was never... Um, that person but I did get my start in picture books and publishing like when I started in children's publishing I worked on um, picture books for three years I think three about Uh, and then I worked on middle grade and then I moved up to YA and so it's I've worked on every age level in children's publishing so it's been interesting like moving between them because Mm -hmm. the senses are very 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 different in terms of what kids are into and what they'll read and what you have to keep in mind when you're writing. So, like, with A Jedi You Will Be, which is... Um, As the cutest oh my illustrations, God. by Mike the way. D's Mike illustrations D's, right? yeah. are so beautiful. Like, I want to hang them all on my wall. I They're know. Just, like, so cute. Gorgeous, like, watercolor illustrations of uh, the premises Yoda training Luke to be a Jedi, but also training the reader to be a Jedi. Very, very sweet. Um, but yeah, it's it's just remembering. It's always remembering the audience. And I think that's so key for children's books is always remembering and centering the reader in your work. Mm-hmm. Do you have a reader? And like, do you do you picture specific people you're writing for? No, <laughs> I just think about like the kid. I like when I worked at Scholastic, we would do school visits, which was one of my favorite things in the world to see kids like get excited about books and they get so excited like they freak out and it's awesome but they're also like these funny little people like I think kids are really really smart and when you don't it's easy to forget that and it's easy to think about children's books as being these like whatever stories but kids are super smart and will absolutely like really engage with the texts that they're reading and so it's just making sure you're never talking down yeah, like, I mean, I know this is, like, no comparison, but, what, like, Dave is, like, what, 20 months now? He's almost two years old. Um, he is, and we're, 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 doing, we're doing more board books and picture books and stuff like that. And, of course, he's yeah. not patient enough to sit and, like, he won't sit and, like, listen to a story, 
but he'll he loves like like looking through at his own pace mm-hmm. and now he's pointing at every no. baby. It's so cute. He'll like find his favorite books and then point at each baby. That's so cute. And I'll say baby and he'll look at point at another baby and, and he only wants to look at the books with babies. And it's like it's super <laughs> interesting to see his like little brain developing and be like, okay, this is like me. I'm a baby, even though he's not. He's very much a little boy now. But it's like it's super <laughs> interesting to watch their little brains develop. Like and to not, and you can tell very much when the writer respects their reader and when they're, they don't. Yes, agreed. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything you, we, I haven't asked about that you want to talk about? No, Always I'm just last. like really, really excited about these books coming out and, and kind of uh, also sort of like baffled by the fact that it's happening like it's you feel okay you're right I mean you're written for Marvel you're writing again for like Scholastic slash Marvel mm-hmm. um you're uh like writing these Marvel characters writing do you feel like writing Star Wars to a story a book a picture book do you feel like you've made it <laughs> no <laughs> I know I knew that was gonna be it so that's why I asked it because people are like oh you're so like we my our friend Eric Smith and I have this like running joke with Preeti who's like ah she's too famous for us Which she is... doesn't answer her text messages anymore if you see us like giving her shit about this she absolutely does answer our text messages we're not being serious <laughs> but like I feel like you are so like you are so famous and <laughs> You don't feel like it at all, and it makes me, like, it makes me laugh. I I remember once, (laughs) I'm so bad at this, like, this is years ago, um, I used to be on this podcast called Book Rageous with with some friends, and I remember I was buying a book at Word in, it must have been Jersey City, and uh, I was, like, checking out, and the guy ringing me up was like man I recognize your voice and I was like what and he's like oh book Regis I have literally like my whole face was on fire and I was so stressed out I was like thanks and I walked out the door um okay so yeah this is actually another question what's is it disappointing of course it's disappointing like you're launching three books during a pandemic Uh, yeah it sucks it yeah, just sucks. Like, like how I mean, it, virtual it, stuff is great, but it's not. It's not the same as like getting to like meet readers and and really like talk to people because that was one of the best and most fun parts uh, of San Diego Comic Con last year. Was like this. I remember this like little boy came to my signing for Spider Man, and he was dressed as Spider Man, and he was so excited. And like that's the stuff that I'm really sad about because. With kids' books, so much of the fun is, like, seeing the excitement on kids' faces, and you can't really do that digitally. Like, it's not, especially now, because everyone's out of school, as they should be, and um, it's just such a, it just sucks. It's just, it's just a, it's just a sad situation for so many reasons, but one of those things is, like, not getting the experience of launching these books with people who love the characters as much as I do. Yeah. Like, I think, I mean, we can all agree that the pandemic is a tragedy on so many levels, but I think we shouldn't forget those small personal tragedies. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much, and the news is so bad, and everything is so terrible, but we should be able to mourn the personal things that, yeah. you know, we would have liked to, to do, and we're not going to be able to do for probably when, the next year, at least. At least, if not, like, who knows? Yeah, but it's just, it's still fun to, like, you know, get messages of 
parents with like pictures of the books with their kids and like that kind of thing is nice and so so that's why if you are listening to this and you're bummed about you're bummed about this aspect of it, if you end up buying Preeti's books, please uh, send a picture yeah. of you and your kid on. You could send it to us on Twitter. Yeah, or, um, I would however, love to but, see it. Yeah, it like makes me so happy. I know it's so cute. Some of the pictures, like the uh, who is it? it was uh, your um your friend Min? Oh his, my god. Uh, like with the Spider-Man book, oh my! His God. that is like one of my favorite series of pictures I've ever gotten. Minley, who is also an amazing writer, um, he's writing Green Lantern. Yeah, his book, his Green Lantern book came out the, this year. Time is not real. No, it might have been last year, but I time is not real. Uh, but no, he, he also writes really good picture books. Yes, too. he wrote one of my favorite favorite picture books of 2018 called Drawn Together, which if you have mm-hmm. not picked up, it is absolutely beautiful illustrated by dan santat probably one of the best books i've ever read period yeah Um, we have it and it's so good it's so gorgeous um but min sent me a series of picture of his son opening the spider-man book last year and it's just pure joy across like four images of like there's literally nothing better in the world than seeing a kid excited about a book like truly one of my favorite favorite things and just because it's such unadulterated like happiness yeah it's sweet it's so cute um so well we're gonna put pre-order links to bookshop.org for all of um these books in the show notes if you um have a local independent bookstore feel free to um do to order from them or bookshop.org is independent bookstores um if you don't have a local bookstore you want to order from, like you can always try Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of good options, but there we will put so many. links. And I will keep an eye on our Twitter account because I'm trying to figure out where to send signed book plates. So some indie bookstores will have signed copies if, if yeah. you're into that sort of thing. Um, okay, I guess we can move on to what we're into. Yeah. Um, we're expanding this section a little bit to talk about what we're into and what we're doing, like in terms of um, just things we're doing on the internet or, you know, stuff like that. So um, right now what I'm into is the HBO show, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Um, we got HBO Max basically for Sesame Street during the pandemic. Um, but the only other thing I've watched on there is the show I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which if you aren't familiar with it, it's the kind of the story of the it's sort of about the hunt for the Golden State Killer, but it's more about the victim. Like, it's, I've never, it's based on Michelle McNamara's book of the same name, and she died while she was writing it, and her husband, Pat Oswalt, finished, basically helped finish it. Um, the book is incredible. The, um, this, I've never seen, it's like a six-part documentary series, I think four or five episodes have aired. Um, I've never seen a true crime series that puts a focus on the victims and just the horrors of what, of what the person, like, I'm four episodes into the series and we haven't even, like, there hasn't even been, there's some, of course, there's, like, who is this guy? But, like, it's, that's not what it's about. It's about, it's about both the victim, like, just the horrors of what this person did and how terrible it was and like in a way that is it's just presented in such I've never seen true crime presented in this kind of empathetic way oh that's that's, awesome that's why I loved the book and that's why I wanted to watch the series and it's really well done if you live by yourself do not watch it late at night like just don't do it but it's um it's really really well done the interviews are well done um 
it's and it's giving I feel like putting because I didn't realize how much writing this book killed Michelle McNamara like she died of health issues but it was Oof. it was this hunt like the this obsession that kind of killed her and it was I just like I mean, a, she's like part needing of the reason, to find justice for these victims she's part of the reason they caught the guy right like that's the story she is basically yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's her threads that led to like the book came out in January or something, not this year, like a couple of years ago. And they announced that they had located the killer in March. Like, Wild. and she had been working, like she had been working with law enforcement and they had like, yeah, it, she directly led it, it to this guy's capture. And so anyway, it's really well done. Um, I, I am a, like a junkie for like mysteries and crime fiction. I don't do as much true crime, but I do do, I do some of it. But one of the things that always gets to me is it's always like the victims are nameless and faceless mm-hmm. and like, it's always young women. And like, and, like just, it's just, I, I know there are serious problems with, with the genre in general. And um, this really, I think this really turns that on its head a little bit. Um, and so I think it's really good. Um, another thing I'm into right now, I just got a galley of the book Solutions and Other Problems by Allie Brosh, who wrote <gasps> Hyperbole and a Half. Yes! And it's so good. And Hyperbole and a Half is one of my favorite books ever. And then she kind of just got overwhelmed with her fame and disappeared. Mm-hmm. And like, it's kind of one of those things. This book has been scheduled for years and... Uh, like she had a book that got canceled and like everyone's just been like I just I, it's fine if she never writes another book I just hope she's okay mm-hmm. and so now like she's okay enough to write another book I haven't read it yet but like like I just want her to be okay I love her so much and so I'm really excited about this book um it's coming out in September and then what I'm doing is I have a new column on sci-fi fangirls it's called take it easy mode and it's about basically it's a guy strategy guide and kind of recommendations for games um um, usually RPGs because that's what I play, but that you can play on easy mode that are like genuinely like easy mode is easy. Here's how you can make it easier. Level up these abilities, use these skills. Here are some tips and tricks. Um, and I'm really enjoying it. My first uh, my first column was about Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and this one is about the Outer Worlds. And it's a it's a fun column to write, and I'm getting really good feedback from people. So it's really good. It's a really good yes. column. We'll put um we'll put links and we have a lot of links to put in the show notes, we but we'll put those links in the show notes too. <laughs> uh, and then what I am into is I just wrapped uh, watching What We Do in the Shadows season two. This is one of the funniest television shows I've ever seen in my life. It's so consistently well done and so consistently funny that I don't understand why there's anyone on this planet who isn't watching it. Um. It's, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, which is from 2014, I think, it's a mockumentary uh, done by Jemang Clement and Taika Waititi about vampires living in New Zealand. Kind of like socially inept and and just not very bright vampires. And the, the television show is set in the same universe, but it's about three vampires who live in Staten Island. Or four vampires, excuse me. Forgot about Colin Robinson. Uh, it's four vampires who live in Staten Island and three of whom have not adapted or, or changed for the current times. And uh, there's an episode in the second season, I believe, I'm assuming the title of the episode is Jackie Daytona, but Mark Hamill guests as a vampire. And it is one of the best 
television episodes of all time, I think. It's so, so funny. Uh, and it's, it's just this like wonderful bright spot. And I haven't stopped singing the theme song. Um, and then I watched the entire 10th season of Shameless in like a day and a half. Because I can't quit that show. It's been on for 10 years. It's I do skip all the Frank Gallagher stuff. Like I just fast forward because I don't need to watch anything about that kind of character right now. Who's just kind of a shitty person. Like I just don't care. Yeah. I just don't. Uh, and then finally, I'm reading a galley for a book that unfortunately does not come out until January 2021, but is available for pre-order uh, called City of the Plague God by Sarah Chada, who wrote one of my absolute favorite middle grade series of all time called Ash Mystery, which is like Percy Jackson meets Hinduism. Um, it's so good. And so this one, which is with the Rick Riordan Presents uh, imprint at Disney, so you know it's going to be quality. I'm only about four chapters in, but I'm already really enjoying it. It's about Mesopotamia and uh, th- that that part of mythology. Um, and I'm really looking forward to continuing and seeing where the story goes because I genuinely have no idea where Syrat is going to take it. Uh, but very, very into it. And of course, what I'm doing is all those books that we mentioned like over the last 30 minutes. That's it. Yep. <laughs> and replaying Spider-Man um, PS4. And that's really it. <laughs> yeah, I'm still playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, believe it or not. Like, it's, that's such a long game. I'm like 70 hours into it. And I'm still like... I haven't gone back since yeah, I accidentally assassinated the person. I'm still afraid. I know it's going to just reset. Just hide in grass. It's I know. Okay. You, can just, you can just hide in grass. I know. Until they... Okay. I just... That level of anxiety, I like kill, I was trying to assassinate a mercenary and then I accidentally assassinated the soldier beside him and then the entire yeah, camp I've of soldiers that. came like, after me. Ass- yep, I've accidentally assassinated um, like the mercenaries like bear instead of the mercenary and I'm like, oh my god, why would I want to assassinate a bear? It was horrible. <laughs> um, I'm still not over um, it. <laughs> <laughs> so we are part of the Hard Knock Life podcast network. You can find all of the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. And um, we did send out our Patreon rewards. We have our great tote bags in now. You can find pictures of that at uh, our, um, we tweeted out pictures at um, our Twitter account, The Geek Girls. Yeah, and it looks so good. Uh- they look so good. So those are for our $12 um, Patreon subscribers, um, which we have, I believe, four. So we have Meredith, Ronnie, okay. Maya, and Patrick at the $12 level. And then Jordan, Annie, Brandy, Guy3, Jerome, Claire, Brian, Robert, Sylvia, Chris, and the Knott family, and Priya at the $5 level. Thank you so much for your Patreon rewards. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you live in the U.S., and you haven't gotten your Patreon rewards yet, and you should um, send us a message because you should have them. I was going to say, if no, you say. Uh, got the Patreon rewards, we would love to see them. So take a picture and show us. Please do. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Daisy Geek Girls. I'm at S. Krishna. And I'm at Run With Skizzers. And until <laughs> next time. We'll see you in we'll see you in hell. hell. I really fell apart at the end there.